everyone. Welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm excited because my guest today is Rihanna. Um, no, not pop star Rihanna, but she is a star in her own right. So Rihanna, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Wow. Thank you, Carrie Ann. Thank you for having me. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am good. I am good. So let's not keep the community in suspense. Tell them a little bit more about you, Caribbean country you represent, and the work you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Rihanna. Um, I'm founder of the Dominica Dementia Foundation. So I was raised in Dominica. Um, and it's basically a youth-led dementia charity that raises awareness of dementia, provide emotional support to families and caretakers, as well as um, facilitate research towards dementia. So that's what we do. Youth-led organization around dementia. That's powerful. Tell mm. me why you started this organization. Yeah, so I started this organization in memory of my grandfather. Um, so he passed away dementia when I was 16. And I was basically raised by my grandparents and my mom. So I kind of experienced that with him throughout the whole journey of his diagnosis to the end. And it kind of opened my eyes to understand what dementia actually looks like in someone and how that can affect not just them, but everyone around them. And it kind of fueled me into wanting to learn more. I had a desire, you know, a desire to learn, to do more, to understand how the brain works, why we do what we do. Um, and that kind of led me along the path of studying psychology at college and then wanting to do something for the community. And I, I thought if I have to do something, it needs to be fueled with passion or it's not going to happen or it won't last. And I felt like, the situation with my grandfather is something that I can definitely kind of carry on for the rest of my life, if I'm honest with you, um, because of how deep-rooted that experience was for me at the time. Yeah. Um, when you reached out and the team we were evaluating, they were like, yes. And I knew yes, because my grand-aunt, who was also my godmother, so my grandmother's sister, she had dementia. And before my grandmother you know, passed away complications from stroke. You saw the early signs of early onset dementia. And so let's educate the audience about what dementia actually is and the early stages and how it appears to someone who has no idea what, what dementia is or what it looks like. Yeah, sure. So I guess think about an umbrella and dementia is the umbrella. And then under that, you've got Parkinson's from temporal, you know, other forms of childhood dementia. That is basically what dementia is. So it's an umbrella term that's used to describe diseases of the brain. Um, and it's basically a neurodegenerative disease um, caused by brain injury or damage. Um, so that is kind of like what it is in a nutshell, but it's definitely so much more. It's definitely quite a broad sector, if I'm being honest, because um, there's more to um, the dementia than anything else, I would say. There's an element of losing your memory, but there's also personal development changes. So someone that was quite quiet growing up may be quite rowdy and outspoken 
if they get dementia. And then there's also visual perception. So a lot of the people who have dementia, they can't see water for some reason because of the visual perception um, elements to the disease. And there's other factors as well. I mean, my grandfather, he, you know, lost the ability to talk, to walk, um, and that was quite hard. So it kind of affects various aspects of the body and the mind as well. So the Caribbean, the place that we love, how do people in the Caribbean treat dementia? Because I'm sure in the early days, you know, this would have been easily categorized as a spirit or a bad thing on someone. So how how is the perception of dementia and how is your organization helping to change that perception with education? Yeah, I think we're getting better. That We definitely have come a long way. A lot of people still use the word senile or senality, or they say, you know, that person just troublesome, man. Don't worry them. But really, it's not, you know, they're troublesome. It's, it might be a call for help. It might be a call to maybe get a actual clinical diagnosis for this person if they don't actually have one at the time. So it's just kind of reframing how we view behaviors and what we do with it as well. So yeah, de- def- definitely in general, just changing the perspective on that. Um, I think people are a bit more open to talking about dementia and just mental health in general in the Caribbean, which is good to see. I would say that was evidenced by the documentary film that I did last year on dementia in the Caribbean. I actually got you know participants to come and talk about their lived experiences. So I would say that you know things are changing. You know people are being more open to it, and I think one of the explanations is I don't think people like to suffer really. So you know they are seeking help because they need the help. They want to live well, and you can live well with dementia. Um, it's not always about suffering. And I I try not to use that term because it just brings on a negative connotation. So I also share that with the community that when you are talking about dementia, you don't actually say, oh, that person is suffering with, because they might not be, they might just be living well. Um, So it's just kind of thinking about how we talk about it. Using positive language also helps, which I've seen, which is good. Wonderful. So you have received the Queen's Young Leader Award from the late Queen Elizabeth in mm-hmm. June 2017 for your commitment to dementia advocacy. And you were also awarded in 2022 um, the Commonwealth Youth Award. So congratulations on those. But talk to me more about some of the challenges you've had running an organization. We know it's not an easy task. So, so talk to me about some of the the challenges you've experienced running an organization and the help that you're seeking to advance the work of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes without saying funding has been a real struggle for us like the early stages of the organization, I kind of was self-funding it and I only just got my first job out of college. So it was really hard because all of my funding kind of just went to uh, sustaining the foundation as it were. And then it was an element of, 
ageism. So a lot of people saw me as a young person and they're like, oh, well, I mean, there's just young girl trying to do whatever, but mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it'll last. And it's, it's just that preemptness that if someone's a young person, it's just for a season, you know, their work is just for a season, which is not the case. So it was just kind of opening out those barriers and trying to show people that, hey, we exist. Yes, we're a young organization, but we're here to stay. And we are creating spaces to allow people to talk about things that's going on in their home and, you know, seek more information about dementia. We're basically a resource bank in the community and we should be seen as such. So there was a lot of that I I had to unravel. And for some time we kind of shifted. So instead of looking for funding, we just kind of used that time to just raise our profile. So we did prints, media, magazine. You know, I went to Miami in the first month of starting the organization to, you know, build links with other international and regional organizations. So it was a lot of time focused on just building our profile in the community. And that kind of helped. Then the funding started to come and people wanted to engage with us. Um, I think another element is just, yeah, sensitizing the community as to what dementia is, because then they have an understanding of what it is. They They know that we're here to support them. And then it's also building links with the government because a lot of our work kind of interlinks you know for example like the national plan for dementia that is something that would be at government level and which is taken forward so we're just kind of like a supporter of that and um kind of liaison um if you will on the policies at hand in terms of older people what are your goals top two goals right now as it pertains to the foundation and the advocacy towards dementia. And right now I'm assuming that for, for logistical reasons, you're really focused in Dominica and not beyond that, because as you get funding, you can spread beyond the other borders if you want to, but just, yeah. Um, So just let me know what are, your top two priorities and goals to advance the work of the foundation? Well, at the moment, I'm actually going to undertake a master's degree in dementia at UCL this September. So I'm hoping that the knowledge acquired from that master's, I can feed that back into the Dominica Dementia Foundation. And I'm hoping that it will create space to allow me to think of other solutions that I can implement in Dominica and the Caribbean by extension. Um, I really want to do more research in terms of ageism in the Caribbean. So that would also interlink with other Caribbean islands as well. Um, Cause I think it will be quite useful to kind of have that resource and make it accessible um, because you know, I am aware that dementia is not just happening in Dominica, but it's happening in Barbados, in Jamaica, in Trinidad. So, you know, a collective voice on that would be good for the region. So I'm hoping to kind of like make those kind of like research pieces and project come alive after graduation. In the years you've been doing this work, have you found any information where 
dementia impacts Black people a particular way or people of Caribbean heritage a particular way? Have you found anything to that effect? Yes. So my colleague, um, Dr. Moise Roche, um, he's, I want to say from Guadeloupe, I might be wrong. It's either Guadeloupe or Martinique. Um, But he is doing a lot of research in terms of Caribbean families, um, particularly in the UK, but you know, it can also be reflected, you know, to people back home as well. And he found out that there's a lot of stigma associated with um, Caribbean families as it relates to getting a diagnosis and what that diagnosis process looks like for them. So there is a lot of unraveling in that space as well. Um, I think that also can be explained by what we express to in the media it doesn't really, you know, make us feel like we are in a safe space to do that. So it's just making sure that everyone is kind of like getting the right information so, you know, they can do what they will with that. Now, is there any research that shows the earlier the diagnosis and the earlier the treatment, it helps as the disease progress? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people, they've gotten a diagnosis just through, you know, I guess, accessing memory clinics. So, you know, even before that, they've got like a stage of dementia, they can preempt it and maybe slow down the progress. So there are definitely advances out there that kind of can project if you're going to get dementia based on genetics or other factors. I think I might have asked you this, but I really want to come back to it because we're talking about dementia and I know it's a subtle thing, but what are like some of the top symptoms, signs, cues to look for when there's a possibility that someone might have um, early onset dementia? Because I I think it's easier to kind of identify when someone is fully advanced or progressed. So, but the early onset aspect of it, it would be good to know if there's any signs that we can identify and maybe encourage friends, family members to seek help. Yeah, absolutely. I think if someone is expressing that they're having difficulty with their memories or remembering like long-term memories, so things that they've known for years um, like their home address or um, friends in their community or as small as maybe their household keys that they're continuously forgetting them and other, you know, just kind of like dissociated in a way. I think that's a warning sign. Um, if they're starting to kind of like ruminate or having difficulties with driving, that is kind of like a motor function. So that is also quite a concern. And then, like I mentioned before, personality changes, it might be a bit difficult to kind of see through that because we are, you know, we're ever changing. So, And I also think that there's this element of mental health and thinking that, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure it's hard to diagnose between is this early onset dementia or is there someone having bipolar disease or something like that? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the intersection of those symptoms, you know, having 
you know, saying they just need a pill from the psychiatric place or something like that. So exactly, I, exactly. I imagine it will be hard. Wow. And so now switching gears, tell me about what it was like growing up in Dominica. You're the first person from Dominica to be on the show. Really? And yes. Actually, you may not be the first. You may be the second. But of, of heritage, because I'm thinking of Kwame. Kwame was born here, but his pa- one parent's from Dominica and the other's from Guyana. But um, one, I love it because, you know, Dame Eugenia Charles is just someone that we just grew up learning about lady yes and so I, I i want the audience to know a little bit about that because we just don't get too many people from dominica um on the podcast so and if i didn't say it before it's because i didn't feel like i need to say it, but it's dominica and not the dominican republic which That's right <laughs> also gets confusing so tell tell me a little bit more about growing up in Dominica and just share with the audience that experience from that country that we don't get to hear a lot about. Absolutely. Um, so I guess time from the accent, you already probably know that I'm based in the UK. Um, I just thought I'd say that anyways. So my accent kind of just switches from UK and then when I back home I was like hey what's up now Wagwan and this that and the other so (laughs) accents are funny but yeah I grew up in Dominica and it was amazing you know just liming with my friends and going to the beach and um we you know Creole is my favorite season and every time it comes around you know I'm excited it's like it's it's something I've never seen before almost like every time and in that moment I mean the city just comes alive you know you see a lot of intergenerational activities um and then I remember going to uh church on Creole day so Creole mass um I think it was not Creole day but like the Sunday after Creole day and then participating in the Creole parades going to you know all of these Caribbean pageants. Yeah, no, it was really a lifestyle that I am hoping that I can get back into because the community is just amazing. You know, everyone's just looking out for each other. Um and just things are just nice and chill back home. You know, home is home. And you know, if you're listening to this, just come. <laughs> we'll gladly have you. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to back up. You have to tell us about this Creole day or Creole season. What is that? Yes, so Creole is basically a season where we celebrate our heritage um, and we dress up in madras or Creole wear. So for the women, it's the wabjuet. For the men, it's more like, you know, uh, I don't want to butcher it, but like a shirt and like a black pants and then a sash, red sash. And yeah, we sing Creole songs. Um, we dance traditional dances like ballet, quadrille. And you see that throughout the entire month. There's a, you know, a month of calendar events that you can go to. Um, every district has something going on um, on the lead up to Creole Day, which is the last Friday of the month. Um, but yeah, a lot of new activities have emerged. There's like cooking experiences now um, and they'll, you know, pop up events. So it's fantastic. I think 
if you want to experience, you know, the real, the trueness of Dominica, I would say coming come in October or Carnival, come in Carnival as well, because that's also fantastic. Wonderful. And most people are aware of Dominica, as you said, because of the Iron Lady, Dame Eugenia Charles. So um, I know this isn't a history class, but I think it's an opportunity to tell more about your culture. So tell first, you want to tell the distinction Dame Charles has. And I'd love to hear your take on that because I'm always hearing other people from other countries. So you are actually from there. So I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, I think, well, she wasn't alive in my time, but from what I've read and what I've heard and, and you know, seen online, I think she was a very dynamic individual. You know, she was very thorough. She was, you know, straight to the point. This is what I want. This is how we're moving forward kind of thing. And I think she really had a heart for Dominica, mainly. That was the objective, is to get Dominica where we need it to be. Um, I thought her perspectives were so interesting. You know, it was really deep thought leadership. Um, I mean, for a woman, you know, in that age, in that period, she really kind of paved the way for other female leaders in the Caribbean. I mean, look, we've got Mia Motley in Barbados doing incredible work. So, you know, it really kind of also shifts the gender dynamic that women can lead to and we can lead well. Um, So I think, yeah, it's quite powerful. Yes. So I was around when she was um, in her heyday. And again, the representation of this woman as a leader is what most of us know. If we know nothing else, we care nothing about her politics, just the representation of a woman as a leader um, was what I remember growing up in school. And so everyone just knew who she was. So um, I'm glad that we get to share that with the audience, because like I said, we don't get too many people from other Caribbean countries. So while you're here, I want to take the opportunity to let the audience get a little bit more familiar with the culture and want to experience the culture. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience that we haven't covered so far? Um, I think I would like to kind of maybe touch back on the documentary film as that should be coming out in June, um, but it should be making its film festival run very shortly as well. So officially in June, but, you know, making headway even before that. But yeah, if anyone wants to kind of like find out more about that, feel free to kind of follow the film page on Instagram or Twitter or anything of that nature. It's called Dementia, the Island Journey. So yeah. And Tell me a little bit about the process of doing that and then just give some insight, the work that went into putting this film together and the festivals that you uh, have submitted for. Yeah, absolutely. So I it was a crowdfunded project, um, two years, and the project itself has evolved in so many ways. What do you mean two years? Like you've crowdfunded for two years or yeah. two years ago? Wow. Yeah, two years of crowdfunding. Yeah, let me yeah. tell you, that crowdfunding, whoo, let me tell you. But go yes. ahead. Congrats on that. 
it's not easy. It's and I'm doing it again as well for my masters, so it's not easy. <laughs> but I'm grateful. The community has come from time and time again, so I can't complain. Yes. So you were saying that you crowdfunded for two years and the process of working with folks to put the, 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 the film together and the festivals you're submitting to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I filmed in the UK as well as in Dominica and I've just kind of put those clips together, um, with the support of an editor. So right now we're just in post-production and yeah, it should be finalized by June. Wonderful. Well, we can't wait to see and support the film for a very important cause, even though you're centering Dominica for obvious reasons. You know, the Caribbean, a lot of people are impacted by this. And so I just want to thank you for the work you've been doing such at such a young age, leading you know, just starting this from a very young age. And I know what you mean by the reverse ageism because you're young. It's like, dear, dear, sit down. Don't pay, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, just encouraging you to push through and get support wherever you can and just let us know how we can support you. So tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Absolutely. So I've got my website now. Yay. <laughs> um, so it's riannapatterson.com. And then Instagram is just riannapatterson underscore. Twitter, riannapatterson. Um, I'm on Facebook if you want to find me on there. But I think the best place to find me is Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn, which is Patterson MBPS, I believe. Wonderful. And Rihanna, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing with us growing up in Dominica. And as I love to say at the end of every episode, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at carryonfriends.